I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to On the Continent, your definitive guide to the week in European football. I'm Dotson Adebayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Miguel Delaney. On this edition... City make mincemeat of Real Madrid, but what's the real story, morning glory? Also, is this the way to Istanbul for Inter, or do they have more important issues than a Champions League final to contend with? And has winning La Liga ever felt more like singing the blues for Barcelona? Andy, Miguel, I understand you were both in the place to be last night, which obviously was the Etihad uh, Stadium. How was it for you, Miguel? Um, Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) It was... uh, (laughs) I mean, look, I've written what I've written, which is putting it in a wider context. Um, Over 15 years in this job, I've seen a lot of great performances, including Guardiola's Barcelona. Um, th- this was up there in terms of a pure football performance. It's possibly the best ever performance by an English team in Europe. It's possibly Pep Guardiola's best ever performance. And yet, just from sensing the 
wider discussion about it, the response to it, it just doesn't feel like it's being looked on. There's not much will to discuss it in those terms because, of course, this is all part of a wider context about what the City project is and what's happening to European football. And as I wrote in the piece, I mean, and, and actually I do think this is an element of it that probably it's almost you, you, you've got to really zoom out to see it, uh, and which is maybe why it hasn't been discussed as much, but it's pretty much it's, it's what explains the, the modern game, really, which is essentially 15 years ago, uh, from around the mid-2000s, a group of states, all specifically motivated by an acutely regional rivalry, saw football as an avenue for expansion, for soft power, uh, for sports washing, whatever you want to call it, but ultimately about uh, diversifying from oil, and um, allied with the game's increasing embrace of Western capitalism to, I would say, a very corrosive degree, we're now seeing the end product of that. And I don't think it's very healthy for European football. It, it obviously isn't. But it's interesting that there's a real split in European football now in that... Um, the Europa League has actually been a really healthy competition. This, mm. You can see elements in the Premier League as well. The Europa League has been a really kind of... There's a variety to it, a competitive vitality. And it's almost like this now, increasingly, this is a separate end of football to what's happening at the very top end, which is increasingly narrower and narrower. And that, this is what's happened. The, 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 the last night's game, the 4-0, was the perfect representation of this almost. And that how financially stretched football has become a staggered one. And as soon as it gets stretched and staggered, what means is and we've probably see, mostly seen this with Barcelona, clubs overextend themselves to try and keep up, creating all sorts of further issues. Uh, and then we had a situation where Real Madrid, the you know the Europe, European football establishment, really, the biggest institution, the old rich, or whatever you want to describe it, were, they weren't just beaten, they were destroyed. I mean, that was 4-0, but had it not been for Courtois, it could have been, it, it, you know, I think it was Jonathan Lou that had the line, uh, it could have had its own Wikipedia page. I, th- I think that's the thing, isn't it, Miguel? Uh, we'll come to Real Madrid and the issues affecting them in, in a minute. But City was so good. I mean, the first half was just, it was beyond football. It was, it was a different sport. It was absolutely jaw-dropping and unbelievable. But I, th- I think when you talk about the, the gap and I guess the futility of it, the fact is that I'm not sure Real Madrid could have done that much differently. You know, they're incredibly experienced at this level. Um, I think to say off the back of that, as people will be tempted to do, that oh, Kroos and Modric and Benzema are on, 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 the, on the way out, fine. I mean, they'll, they'll be there next year, which is intended to be a handover year for, for their future. But... They defended better, actually, than Bayern did in uh, the Etihad in the last round. Uh, Bayern really didn't help themselves. They defended terribly. Um, Real Madrid were as, as compact as you would expect them to be for the most part. But you can only hold back the tie for so long. And City playing that well, as Miguel was saying, the, the likes of which I don't think we've really seen in European football for probably a decade, probably since the Barcelona two, 2011 side. I mean, I think the the bit that really captured it in microcosm for me is when City, because you can't keep up that pace for the in, in, entire game, had the little five minutes sit off and Real Madrid found a window, a window which would have got them back into the game against other sides, against 99% of other sides. And you saw the bit where um, Vinicius 
went off down the, the left and at any other point he's away. In fact, when he was doing that run against Fernandinho a couple of years ago, he, he, was, he was away, for example. And Kyle Walker not only read him, not only caught him, he, he used his strength to edge him off to the side and then he didn't even need to dive in. He just took the ball off him and, and that was that. And that was him saying, that was as much as any of the attacking play, Manchester City saying, we are too good for you. And yes, it's, it's, it's about an extraordinary amount of money. Um, it's also, but, but it's, we have to say it's money allied to strategy as well. The fact that they um, set the table for Guardiola to come years before and Guardiola has been working to this over over years and now I, I guess they've they've found their, their their footballing nirvana because I think the way that if, if you're in any doubt that Guardiola is the best coach in the world I, I, I think you're kidding yourself because it's, it's not just that he he gets the best out of all different sorts of players like Manuel Akanji did not look anywhere near a Manchester City player when he was at Dortmund. We knew he had potential at Basel, um, but they they brought him over and you thought, what are they doing? Why are City signing this guy? They've turned him, Guardiola's turned him into an incredible player. He's made Grealish into what he's wanted him to be, this you know incredible competitive beast that stretches things on the left. He's made Kyle Walker better, a player who's headed into his, his 30s. His coaching on all levels is quite phenomenal. I I completely agree. I think Guardiola is probably the best manager of all time. Certainly the most influential, and that's why. Mm. And I know his influence is why, and that's why he's kind of gone past managers like Saki, who were influential, but maybe didn't bring that through in the manner that Guardiola has done. And sometimes that gets confused with the argument that like, oh, by talking about what City are, you're taking away from Guardiola. But that's not the entire point here is exactly. that City City can't just it's not just that they can afford Guardiola. And let's be fair here, if there was if there was no takeover, Guardiola would not have gone to Manchester mm-hmm. City. He went to Manchester City, first of all, because basically they could employ Cheeky Big Uristein, who he had a certain loyalty to for giving his chance at Barcelona. But also it wasn't just the course they got with Chiqui Bigurstein. They basically got the entire Barcelona. I mean, this, again, we come back to that point I made earlier about 15 years ago, the, uh, the, these states looking across the game. Well, in around 2010, they looked across what what was the model to follow in football, and it was obviously that Barcelona. So they, they went and, bought, and basically brought it over wholesale. And it, and it's not just actually bringing the leadership group over wholesale and all that. They, they essentially put in perfect... They're able to afford perfect laboratory conditions for probably the greatest manager of all time. And last night, we saw the product of that. Patrick has tweeted us, uh, wondering whether you could put it all down to uh, Real Madrid having a bad day at the office. Because Real Madrid, nevertheless, coming runners-up in La Liga, winning the Copa del Rey, you know, doing well um, in other football competition, including the Super Cup and obviously the Club World Cup as well. Uh, Could they possibly just have had a bad day at the office, Andy? Well, that, that's that's what Patrick's question has said, isn't it? That they, they looked a yard off the pace. I, I would say that's a product of playing City and, and City at a level that we, we, we've, we've not seen them touch. I mean, I, like I said, I think there were bits in the first half where um, Real Madrid get properly back into the game against a normal team. There's 
probably the first 15 minutes of the second half where Real Madrid get back into it against a normal team. And that's how polished and complete this this city is, that they can do the defensive side of it as well. You know, that's why that you can say that they've reached this this apex. But as we were saying at the start, you know, Real Madrid are going through a transitional period. Um, that transition will go the next step up, probably when they sign Jude Bellingham. And you have this uh, Bellingham, uh, Chouameni, Camavinga mid- midfield, which will be fantastic. I think one of the problems for Camavinga, there was a lot of talk of him playing out of position at left back. The, the problem is he had nothing in front of him. Camavinga could have done with Camavinga in front of him, I think was was the issue. But I think when you talk in terms of of resource, Miguel, you just have to look at the benches. Like, like Real Madrid's bench was populated by a load of players that they don't really want anymore. If you look at Jesus Vallejo, who couldn't, hack it at Wolves you know you look at Danny Ceballos who okay has, has, has played a little bit more this season and um, has, has improved but you know is, is not really a Real Madrid first teamer I think it's fair to say um, Mendy who they'd like to be shot off as are you know Mariano there's so many of them you compare that to the City bench and there really is no comparison Real Madrid are in a rebuild and I, I think it's if we're talking about the coaches it's a testament to Ancelotti as a coach that he's managed to get them this far for the, the last two seasons. Given everything we, we've said already, Miguel, is this the end of Carlo Ancelotti, the enigma, if you like, sometimes of uh, football coaching at the top level? Uh, well, it was interesting. His press conference after the game, he was insistent he's going he's gonna to stay. That felt... Um, I mean, some people were calling it denial and other people were supposed to calling it just a negotiation tactic. Even after last week's first leg and for a long time... The feeling has been that by August, Carlo Ancelotti will be the Brazil manager. Uh, and you could argue that a move into international football, especially for a manager like that, is kind of moving on to a different stage of his career, finished. I mean, because the, the club game is the elite level. Um, but uh, yeah, that would be that would be my thinking, certainly. Um, I mean, there, there has been an element of kind of Ancelotti uh, fighting against the tide a bit. Uh, even... Like he, it's interesting. Like Ancelotti's whole career has kind of been covered in this debate. I mean, his weirdly his league record has never quite matched his Champions League record. Um, and then of course there was the very fact. I mean, his career seemed to be in the decline. That that was illustrated by how he went from Bayern Munich, where there was a lot of discussion about how he just couldn't match what Guardiola had done at the club. Then on to Napoli, so he goes from Champions League semi final club, say, to a Champions League qualifying club then to Everton, the mid-table Premier League club. And it, Madrid only appointed him, basically, because they they're in a touch of desperation that season. And it does just feel that far from being this kind of statement as him being one of the, still the best managers in the world in winning the Champions League last season, it was more just a case of, and this has happened a little bit around Madrid, given what they are as a club, and we will come on to them. Um, he just fit a specific set of circumstances at a certain time. And that, that's, that happens in management that probably more than we care to discuss uh, when we, as we talk about who's the greatest of all time. I think that's true to an extent, Miguel, but I also think he has done a great job in this second spell at Real Madrid. Oh, um, yeah, I mean, I would, yeah, we, exactly, exactly, he's maximised what's been yeah, there. Yeah, he has, yeah. but I think we know him as, as you say, a maximiser of um, existing facilities, you know, getting the most out of um, ageing players. But I think what was really notable, actually, last night when uh, City scored the first goal, 
Vinicius coming over they had that little powwow in the middle of the pitch didn't they they had their circle in the middle of the pitch where they discussed like what is happening to us but the only player who wasn't there was Vinicius because Vinicius came over to ask Ancelotti coach what's what's going on you know I I can't be pushed into these defensive positions I I don't know what I'm doing you have to presume because he started the game terribly looked all over the place you know City had him in the best place 30 yards from from his own goal and I think it underlined the closeness between Vinicius and Ancelotti because one of the major proponents of him getting the Brazil job is Vinicius actually after it went to 2-0 I think it was uh, Ancelotti was there kind of just kind of drumming his fingers against his mouth wide-eyed as if he did he was stunned by what was happening and didn't really know what to do and it did remind me of Ferguson in the 2011 Champions League final which I suppose is what a Guardiola team and especially a Guardiola team with this sort of backing can reduce you to what about the perhaps even wider picture, which is, you know, we're witnessing essentially, aren't we, uh, a changing of the guard in the powerhouse of European football from the uh, legendary status of Real Madrid and the number of Champions Leagues they've won to, you know, the upstart in a way, never won a Champions League before Manchester City. Were, were we witnessing it? Were you aware of that when you are in the stadium, Andy? I think it's easy to think that on a, on a one game basis I mean the other thing I was thinking of in terms of changing of the guard is City are good as long as Guardiola's there I think um, there are a few little concerns because of course the two outstanding players on the pitch um, against Real Madrid Gundogan and Bernardo Silva might not be there next season and I, I don't think that's something you can overlook I think particularly in the case of Bernardo it's quite difficult to envisage how to replace him. You know, um, PSG have been credited with an interest. Um, it's something that's been talked about a lot in, in, in France this week. And sacrilegious as this will seem to some, in terms of the overall team, Bernardo would be an incredible replacement for Messi and would improve that team. I, I don't think there's really any arguing with that. Um, but, but what City have been so good at, actually, and when we talk about their their organisation as, as as well as their, their resource, which are, of course, interlinked. I think you look back at the players who have been totems for them over the last 10, 12 years. Well, Company, Aguero, Fernandinho, and they've managed to replace... David Silva, they've managed to replace all of them. And they're all players. You, you think what the trick is for any sporting dynasty, don't let the whole team get old at the same time. And I, I think it's kind of easy to look at the pitch and think okay well if Gundogan goes if um if Bernardo goes Kevin De Bruyne's 31 and although his best is still amazing he's slightly less consistent now um but while Guardiola's there you I think you would back him to replace them Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Of course, the Champions League final is a game of two teams. Let's not forget, uh, whatever, uh, wherever we go on this journey to Istanbul, uh, wherever Manchester City go, Inter are waiting for them at the other end, aren't they? Um, I I wonder whether, first of all, Miguel, we can start with your impressions of uh, watching the second leg of Inter versus Milan uh, earlier on this week. The week before, it was an amazing, amazing atmosphere in uh, the stadium. This time around, did it equate to that as well? Oh, the atmosphere was amazing again. uh, And that sense of culture. And there's almost an element of Inter fans looking to outdo Milan fans in the previous week. I I mean, actually, more, more, while I actually felt last week was more about the kind of the sound um, this was all almost with the feeling of it in the sense that um, on more occasions this week, even if maybe it wasn't quite as loud as last week, on more occasions this week, I felt the stadium. Sh- I mean, it's one of the famous things at the San Siro where the stadium shakes as they bounce. And this was this happened a few times. It happened as they came, uh, you know, before the game. It happened when the Martinez goal went in. And of course, happened when they, they won um, and were celebrating. Uh, I, I didn't think it was as good. In fact, as a match, it was probably more like what I expected from the first leg. Uh, but I suppose maybe maybe that's because the first leg sort of pretty much set it and it was always going to take, take so much from Milan. Um, and that fed into the game itself, maybe. For it to be an occasion in terms of pure football, we needed an early Milan goal. They never really looked like getting it. And in the end, it was Matt Mignon who uh, ended up having to actually to produce the better saves. Uh, but still an incredible occasion to be at. Yeah, from what um, Miguel was saying there, Andy, it was down to Milan, wasn't it, to to really open up the scoring. But they, it seemed like they were still recovering from that first leg. Yeah, and um, we talked about how they were a little overwhelmed by the occasion in the, in the first game. The other thing they were is lacking Rafael Leal, who wasn't really fit. We saw that little burst from him down the outside, but um, that, that was that was the only one really. Um, and it's it's a shame that we didn't have a fully fit layout for, for for both of these games. But having said that, I think Inter played it perfectly as they often have in the Champions League. Now, I, I, I talked to someone who was saying to me, "Well, yeah, well they've they've beaten Porto, they've beaten Benfica to to to, to get here." You think, "Well, yeah, hang on." 
they they edged out that they got out of a group that contained Barcelona and and Bayern which no one thought they were getting out of. So they did an incredible job doing that. Um, they've defended very sensibly, despite some variable league form uh, in, in the meantime, in, in 2023. And I think that this semi-final has, has come at the right time for them, really, because their form in the league has, has, has been terrific. They've been scoring a lot of goals. They've not really been conceding any. So we've got the best inter of the season at the moment. And actually, um, Melvin's written in and said, uh, what case can we make for Inter winning the final? It is difficult. You know, there's a huge gap. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But what I would say is actually unlike Milan and unlike Real Madrid, they've got a real variety in terms of attacking possibilities. Um, So, you know, they started with, and you think, you know, give or take, depending on form in, in between, they'll probably start the final with... Uh, Lautaro and Edin Dzeko. Dzeko was terrific, I thought, in, in both games. Uh, not just the goal at the beginning, um, but in, in terms of um, the, the way he can uh, link play, his passing, his ability to hold it up. Um, but then again, you've got Lukaku and Lautaro who bring a lot out of each other, who when they parted for uh, Lukaku to go to Chelsea were the best front two in Europe. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, then you can throw Cahaya in the mix. I thought you looked at when through uh, injury they needed to bring on Marcelo Brozovic. You know, you're bringing on one of the best midfielders at the World Cup and he's someone who will run all day and has got an incredible range of passing to to control the game. So it's, it's not as if they have nothing going for them. And they have an outstanding goalkeeper. It's not as if they have nothing going for them. And the best of Inter is... Very, very good indeed. Whether that's enough to beat City is a different question entirely. But, you know, this, this inter-team aren't any mugs, and I think it's unfair to suggest that. Miguel, what, what say you? I think Inter's chances for this game... Now, Inter as a cup team have impressed me, I have to say. Um, I think they are likely to... But again, we're like... It's, it's two contexts here. And one side, we're talking about like what can happen in football... Um, that Inter are better than we expect. That you, I mean, you have to you, you have to respect what they've become as a team at a certain level. Of play. And then the other side, we're t- we're talking about what City could do to a side as good as Real Madrid. If this game goes normally, City can put in. It, it can be a final similar to 1989, where Milan destroyed Steyr. Mm. But I suppose the, the uh, Simeone and Zaghi, one of his great abilities as Inter, I think, has been extracting brilliant individual performances from a series of really good individual players. They've also got a good core through the team that can work to this, particularly in the fence with Bastoni and Skriniar didn't play against Milan. Uh, DeMarco, I think, has been one of the revelations of the season, one of the one of the, one of the, uh, the best players in the Champions League this season. Then this series of wars, Lukaku is actually coming back to his best form since he left Inter. Dzeko has been used very intelligently. And all of this can come together in one game. I think that that, that can't be completely discounted. It's just that we're fighting against the, um, the 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 reality that if if all goes to plan, City should win this comfortably. All I would say is, whatever happens in this final, I find it hard to imagine Inter coming back next season um, because it's a little bit like actually when they last won the Champions League in 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 twenty ten, as we, we've said before, they're sort of sitting on this financial time bomb and. 
you know they're they're running a wage bill that they they can't really afford um, which is a, a huge issue they won't be able to keep Lukaku they'll probably have to sell one or two more in the absence of any major investment which doesn't look imminent at the moment so maybe you're looking at Barella maybe you're looking at Onana you know players that would make a a, a massive difference if if they weren't there anymore so for for Inter it does feel like just a, a one-off one chance really so on the one hand there's that Inter with that ticking time bomb Andy but what about Milan on the other hand their rivals who they share the stadium with and knocked out of the Champions League are they arguably in a better position going forward Mika, I don't know if you want to pick up on that first yeah, I do think they are in a much better uh, position going forward. I'd say. I mean, not like you, even the very fact we're talking about how if Inter <laughs> if they don't win it this time, that they won't be coming back for some time. They obviously face fire sales potentially at the club uh, of players. Um, but you could almost like, weirdly, even though Milan were beaten, you could actually see it in the performance itself. Inter were dependent on you know a ferocious response from their players in two. Okay, not quite one half game since there were two legs, but you, but you know what I mean in the in terms of that 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 sense of occasion, um, and but that that in itself can be there's a risk to that because it's uh, it's almost a potluck of or, or the the circumstances of how you respond. Whereas and it's, I was talking to someone who has worked at both clubs and the build up to the game, and it, like the line that was said to me, I think this is quite astute and interesting in that regard, is um. In, in Inter's worst is a lot worse than Milan's worst, but their potential best right now is a lot better yeah. because of the, their base individuals. Whereas Milan are a process team; they're going to something much longer and, and increase. This is the way football is going in that regard as well. It's about, I mean, it's you know, it's one of the reasons why Guardiola has now again su- su- uh, surpassed Ancelotti or a lot because it's about systems. It's systems game. This is what Milan are trying to interplay, and they're trying to do it incrementally, and that means unlike Inter. They're not going for these, you know, they've been so cautious and calculating in their approach to recruitment. The only, the only players they've got approaching kind of star status are the goalkeeper, Mignon, and Rafael Leao. And even Rafael Leao, it's, it's, just, it's conspicuous that he, he's just signed that new contract. And like the, the, the core belief of the club, and this is the actual total contrast to Inter, is that they can gradually and uh, continuously outperform their wage bill. And that is, especially in the, for everything we've discussed in today's podcast about the stratified game, the stretching football, that is how a, a club like Milan in this modern context succeeds in the long term. So yeah, I would say they're much better set up, but it will lead to disappointments occasionally, like uh, like this week. Where would you rather be, Andy? I would rather be in Milan's position, definitely. Um, f- for those reasons that Miguel underlined, and uh, Paolo Maldini, the sporting director now, he, he, he said after the game, look, um, we are not in a position where we can go and spend what we want on players. And that is why it was such a big deal that they were able to lock down Leal. It's absolutely huge for them, especially as the expectation is that they'll get a few more good years out of him and then be able to sell him on for an absolute fortune when he's, he's, he's more developed. And, and, and that really is it's going to be their model, I think, going forward. So um, that that's that, that's something that's... That the, 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 they're focused on at the moment, but you know they'll have to be smart in the in, in in the transfer market going forward. I wonder because they are quite a young team, 
if even if they miss out on the top four, and there is a possibility that they miss out on the top four, of course, watch this space in terms of what happens with Juventus and a, a, a potential another points deduction. We'll have to wait and see. But it, 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 it leans to me towards keeping Stefano Pioli as, as, as coach because he's someone who's a great leader, really connects with young players, um, really communicates with them really well. And the detail that he gives the players on their individual performance and their training is something that can genuinely improve them. And having started the pod, talking about how really the, the, the eventual route to success, the, the process over many years is that coaching, that working on the details to make players who are already good better which is something i think we overlook all the time when we're we're talking about football then then he's probably the man let's turn to la liga now and um in particular, the controversial <clears throat> celebration of uh, Barcelona's uh, winning La Liga, but <laughs> Miguel winning La Liga not at home, but at the home of their rivals. Do you mind just if people haven't seen the footage of this, just explaining what happened at the unravelling of La Liga? I mean, we'll put bluntly, <laughs> Barcelona did a ring a ring a rosy in if not the stadium of their greatest rivals, given that's Real Madrid, probably the stadium of the club that uh, hates them more than any other. <laughs> and while there are, there are obviously massive discussions to be had about, and, and, and you know, we've seen so many examples, I think, since, um, since yeah, football has returned to normal crowds post-COVID. Uh, and I think there's been a connection to, you know, like, to, to incidents and kind of the, the release from that. Obviously, kind of wider social circumstances about more unrest among fans, and it's something the game has to have a serious discussion about because these incidents are increasing. And yet, all that can be true. And again, it can also be true that don't do a ring a ring a rosy to really rub it in mm. to your. Um, I mean, this is that's that that's what struck me about the celebration at this point, where you could obviously. If Barca win the game, win the title, there's that spontaneous joy. It's instinctive. It's something you can't really control. I mean, I, I, for all uh, the revulsion of Espanol fans, I don't think most would have reacted to that. But, like, to, to have this, go into the dressing room and do it. D don't do it on the pitch. Um, and, again, I say that while, obviously, I think it's a much greater issue that we're having the this increasing problem of confrontations and, and fans encroaching onto the pitch to... Um, to to confront players and managers, um, but <laughs> within that you can still have reservations about Barca did. It also goes back to 2007 and the penultimate day of the La Liga season, uh, the Tamudatho, where um, we, we we touched on it last week when we were talking about game of the week, where Raúl Tamudo uh, scored the equaliser that allowed Real Madrid partly allowed, along with Ruud van Nistelrooy's equaliser at Zaragoza, allowed um, Real Madrid to take control and go on and win the league. And Real Madrid celebrated that Tamudo goal wildly. And so did so did Espanyol, even though they didn't particularly need the point at the time. So um, I've, I've heard people say, oh, well, it's not a big deal nowadays. It was a long time ago. People remember these things. Football fans remember these things. It's, it's a massive deal to to Espanyol to have done that. And 
it was, as well as being able to win the league itself and at least partly validate Xavi's work um, since he's since he's come in there a year and a half ago, I think to be able to push Espanyol a little bit closer to the drop was definitely an added bonus for Barcelona and they were in no way unaware of that. Yeah, and whatever the protocol about celebrating um, and particularly at one of your rivals' uh, grounds, let's just conclude that Barcelona had to leave the pitch very hurriedly because of the response to that. But it wasn't the celebration wasn't quite the bonfire of the vanities that it perhaps could have been. It felt like the quiet before the storm almost. This tweet from Oli, who are the likely casualties at Barca as they look to balance their books ahead of the new season? There will be casualties, won't there? Yeah, well, um, I suppose this is one of the great questions. It's yet another juncture season with Barcelona because, I mean, obviously Busquets is going. Uh, so that would mean that De Jong, I think, who's been cast as kind of the player they can get the most money for, given he has been surplus to requirements or had been seen as surplus to requirements given their midfield options. That seems less likely now. Uh, I do. I would wonder whether some of the signings from last year... Uh, maybe someone even like um, Rafinha because of the expense some of this has to be reconsidered uh, because they are going to need some big fees Uh, Ferran Torres another one that's only come recently although to be fair that was in the window before last summer's big controversy Frank Kessie was again another that that came in the middle Um, and to a certain degree I think bar about eight or nine players it actually Barca will have to be pretty flexible about this they will, and I think it's going to be harder than they think. It's always harder than you think. Yeah. And of, of course, in the heart of the celebrations, um, Joanne Laporta, the president, was going, yeah, we think we've got a great chance of, of signing back Messi. They've got so many so many sums to do before they can get to that point. The, the, the question is, how long will Messi wait? And might I suggest if you're messy, you might not feel like waiting, given that two summers ago he waited and waited and waited to sign a new contract. And at the end of it, they said, actually, uh, we can't afford you. Bye-bye, club legend. I I think that would live in your head a little bit. Um, So whether Messi's prepared to run the clock for them, I I really don't know. And we'll we'll have to wait and see. But all the players that they, they... want to try and sell the players that they feel feel have good value like ones they got on freeze that they feel they can make pretty much pure profit from like uh Kessier uh Christensen as as has been suggested uh Rafinha um they did pay a big fee for but presumably they think they could sell him back to a Premier League club the players have to agree to go as we already saw through Frankie de Jong last last season and and that is really hard it's it's not quite the same thing was the Premier League where you're, or PSG where you're struggling to shift players who are on massive wages. You have got players who have been prepared to turn a blind eye to the mess that Barcelona has been off the field because they so badly want to play for Barcelona. And that is the issue here. You know, Rafinha could have easily gone to Chelsea and, and made himself more money, but he decided to go to Barcelona. And with him particularly, who's had a good season, by the way, it was very pointed how he came out after the the Supercopa de España in Saudi Arabia and said that this was just off the back of rumours of them selling him in January, saying, 
Well, I hope this is the first of many trophies for Barcelona. I'm going to stay here and win lots of trophies. Which is basically him saying publicly to the club, well, try and sell me because I ain't going anywhere. And if a player doesn't want to go, as we saw with Frankie de Jong, and they tried a few different things to get him to go, those players won't go. So creating this liquidity for Barcelona, I think is very, very difficult indeed. Yeah, Miguel, what, what a lot of people want to know is whether there's any truth to the possibility that Messi would return to Barcelona's and is indicated there. I, I, I don't understand why it, it's even mooted at this point, but there are obviously reasons. Do, do you have any insider knowledge on this or not? Well, Zabi's been in contact with Messi. Uh, the club haven't actually made a concrete offer. They've uh, Last I heard, which was not that long ago, they, they haven't even approached the Messi's about, about a, a potential deal. So at the moment, that That's is just crazy. a non-starter. Why, why is it a discussion point if it's a non-starter? Well, I, I suppose because of the, the romance of it, um, it's, it would seem logical. Obviously, part of Messi would want it. But as I'm, and I, have to, I mean, while I think there is a certain... Obviously, it'd be great to see Messi get the farewell. He was denied that last season with the knowledge he was going that he was denied in 2021. Um... There's also a sense, though, like Barca have pulled off the Band-Aid now. I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit bigger than the Band-Aid, mm. given we're talking about the greatest player of all time. But they've gone through the hard part and they still have issues. So to me, if, <laughs> this would be a case of more, more than ever in football, emotion overriding logic. Andy, do you agree with that? That's the issue, really. That They should be relieved to not have him on the wage bill anymore. I mean, it's it's not going to help the the team advance. Of course, it's a... It's a, it's a beautiful story, I suppose. And, you know, you want to give him his gold watch, metaphorically speaking. But how it helps the team, I don't know. The, the, what they've got to do to become more financially sustainable, and bear in mind they're just about to go into a season where they're not playing in Camp Nou, which is, is, is going to be difficult for them. Um, they've got to make strides in the Champions League because there's a certain emptiness to winning this league because they didn't come anywhere near in Europe. And that is what the whole financial deal was predicated on i think it's quite interesting that we've had both the two big departures that they they didn't really want is matteo alemani the sporting director who was so instrumental in being creative in the transfer market to help them get some of these players on on board when it looked like they couldn't afford anything and yes financial levers but in terms of structuring the deals in terms of negotiating the deals in terms of persuading players to backload contracts um, where they get paid a certain amount at the beginning and more at the end which is is not brilliant for the financial health of the club you might argue but it persuaded players to come and it not to, to cost the earth in in the short term He's he's going, and uh, Jordi Cruyff has announced this this um, this week that he's going as well. So they're they're losing management that did a lot to make Laporta's dreams come true against the odds, and I, I think it's a concerning sign that the money men around Laporta, the creative minds, are saying, and it, it happened pretty soon after he, he was elected, are, are basically turned around, turning around and saying. We don't believe this can work, so we're out. I, I think that's a real concern if you expect them to make any, any headway in the Champions League. 
As fascinating as the conversation has been today, gentlemen, uh, needs must, and we must needs ask you both to recommend a game of the week uh, for us. Uh, who wants to go first? Miguel, do you fancy having a crack at that first? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can go pick, picking up from us what everything we've been discussing, uh, and I go for Milan Sampdoria, given one of the great intrigues. I mean, it's how Milan respond, and especially because if they don't respond in the right way, then they won't be back in the Champions League next season. Um, this could complete it. So, yeah, I think it's an absolutely huge game in that regard. Uh, and I will be accompanying it with some gnocchi. <laughs> <laughs> well, Very <not>? Michelle Platini. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and how about you, Andy? What would you recommend for us and what, what would you eat with it? Um, I'm going to go for Saturday evening, half past five, Bayern versus Leipzig. Two games left in the Bundesliga. One point between Bayern and Dortmund at the top. Um, we were at Dortmund, um, recording out the match last weekend as they beat Borussia Mönchengladbach. And, you know, that, that they still believe that they can win it, but they, they need an assist. And this is the, the weekend that it all comes down to, really, because Leipzig are the remaining team who you would fancy to take points off Bayern. Um, maybe they don't need it quite as much after they beat Werder Bremen late on and Freiburg lost last weekend, so they've got a four-point gap and a better goal difference in the Champions League race. But they're in decent nick and they're a good opponent for Bayern. So that that will be interesting. The following day, Dortmund go to Augsburg and Dortmund not great on the road in the last couple of months. So that that's the issue. But, you know, they'll know what they have to do by then. And um, either, either way, I, I think Bayern versus Leipzig is, 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 is going to be fantastic. Two really good teams and it. It, it should be exciting. And maybe it can breathe a little bit of extra life into the the, the, the title race as well. So uh, to go with that, I'm going to have some more of the currywurst that ended up on my shirt last weekend. <laughs> yeah. Well, you leave that on your own, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.